backwards. All right, welcome in everybody to another edition of the Philly Experience Podcast. My name is Max Spreadsul, joined as always by Tanner Gilmartin and Tyre Hood. And guys, a tough game, one loss uh, from the Sixers against the Atlanta Hawks tonight. I'm sure that we all did not expect that, of course. And uh, I want to touch on that and, and make that our lead topic today. But I also want to get to a couple things around the NFL, the Eagles especially, and always have to tie them into what's happening around the league. And at the, at the end, if we have time, if we have time, of course, touch on the fills. Now, you guys might be asking yourselves, why am I wearing an Eagles shirt if you're watching this on YouTube or whatever, or in this Phillies hat? To be honest with you, I, I want to bring up a, a Nick Foles topic because oh, I know, T, I know, don't say it, T, don't say it. I know you're not a huge fan of the Nick Foles oh. era in Philadelphia, besides the Super Bowl, of course. But I do want to get to a Nick Foles topic. As you can see, I got the nine right here. Ugh. Right there. So we'll, we'll we'll touch on that as well. But of course, we got to lead into uh, we got to lead in with the Sixers here, and uh, and and our first reactions to to not only just the first half, the game in general, of course. I kind of want to get both of your takeaways into just your opinion and thoughts on uh, the, how everything played out. Not only that, but but Trey Young specifically and how to stop him uh, going into Game Two. Um, my first reaction was, oh, damn, they didn't expect them to come out shooting like that. And honestly, Sixers played that way. I don't think the Sixers were expecting the Hawks to just come out and just start firing missiles immediately from deep. And that's the one thing that they're going to have to prepare for. Now, Trey Young is really their main offensive threat. Now, Bogdanovich, that's that. <laughs> Man, he was he was ripping them to shreds, too. But Trey Young, that's the one who they really, truly could not stop. I believe Trey Young had 35 points, if I'm not mistaken, that game. So, look, they, they're going to have to figure out a way of how to stop Trey Young. And that's the way you got to beat the Atlanta Hawks. You, you got to cut their head off. And their head is Trey Young. Now, I will say this. Um, if they think going forward that having Danny Green on Trey Young is going to work, you're going to have to switch that matchup. And they kind of just Ben Simmons kind of um, alluded to it a little bit in the post uh, post press conference, um, saying that you know there's a possibility that he may have to switch on to Trey Young. Ain't no ain't no possibility. Switch it. Danny Green cannot keep up with Trey Young. As a matter of fact, uh, a clip has been made famous of. Joel Embiid just completely like he's yelling at Danny Green to step up to Trey Young because Trey Young is basically burning time off the clock because he's allowing the ball to just roll right up the court. And of course, when you inbound the ball and the point guard and whoever's bringing the ball up doesn't pick up the ball, well, the shot clock doesn't move. So Trey Young is doing the smart thing and he's burning time off the clock. And Joel Embiid is like yelling and berating and begging Danny Green to step up and, and force Trey Young to pick up that ball because that's wasting time off the clock that they could use to possibly score. So their their mindset and their game plan is definitely going to have to change for game two. And look, it, Danny Green's going to have to stop. Danny Green's going to have to smarten up. Now, I expect better out of Danny Green. I honestly do. I, he's a veteran in this league. He's one of the he's one of the better defenders in this league, and I do expect better out of him, and I expect him to perform better. It was not one of his best moments. However, I do expect him to step up. I do think they got surprised by the Atlanta Hawks, but I do not think we will see a repeat of Game One and Game Two. Yeah, T, I can agree with that, but 
uh, my reaction after the first game is that was brutal. I mean, it was like I was playing my cousin in 2K, uh, the <laughs> score for a while. I mean, a big chunk of that game, the Sixers were down by like 20 points. And it's just it was hard to watch, but you kept through it. And I feel like if there's someone that did not watch the game and just saw the final score, they were like, wow, this game, four point game. That was a close game. But it was not really a close game until like, what, three minutes left yep. in that fourth quarter uh, when the Sixers really started to uh, try to win that game. But in the meantime, just embarrassing. I mean, the Sixers had all their players. The Hawks were missing a few like Hunter. I believe he's one of their best defensive players. And it's something to be, I don't want to say worried about because it's game one. Sixers fans, at least most of them. Now I was at Wells Fargo and I did hear people talking about a sweep uh, against the Hawks, but that's not realistic. You can expect that this, this series was going to go to at least six games or, you know, but I'm optimistic about game two. I think the Sixers have learned you cannot put Danny Green on Trey Young. I don't know what Doc Rivers was thinking for that long, at least. Yeah. It, it, up until what late in the third quarter, they the finally decided to switch him off. Mm-hmm. And that was after Danny Green was cooked up. I mean, he's sitting on the grill. Um, he's just burnt. <laughs> the, I mean, he, he's done for. Uh, four points on the night, too. So he didn't help offensively either. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we could get all into it. Max, what were your first reactions? My first reaction is, you know, I hate this team. I just hate this team sometimes. They <laughs> do this shit to us every year. I, I swear, like, like they, they beat up on the Wizards. Cool. Like, nice first-round victory. And then they come out right. against the Atlanta Hawks. Do we know it's hard? Team that we're better than. We're, we're better than the Atlanta Hawks. You come out here, game one, you're at home. You got Triple H coming out with the sludge hammer, ringing the bell. All the energy is going through the entire arena. And then you come out and you give up 74 points in the first half. I mean, this is typical Philadelphia sports. Typical. Bunch of low life. The number one seed, they're supposed to be the most dominant team all season long. You have Joel Embiid, who everybody thought, oh, let's use the excuse. His knee is pretty banged up. His knee sore. The dude had 39 points. He looked perfectly fine out there on the court. And we still lose. We give up 128 points to the Atlanta Hawks. They were unconscious from three. I understand that. But at the end of the day, you need to beat this team, and losing at home is just unacceptable. Now you have game two coming up, and I feel like, Tanner, I agree with you. I'm a little bit more optimistic. But again, this is a series that you just need to, like T said, you need to just stomp on their heads, stomp on their throats, and just get this series over with. If you want to be a legit title contender, you can't be fooling around with six, seven games against a team like the Hawks. I know they have Trey Young scoring like 40 points a game, unconscious from three, and and he can pull up from like 35 feet, no problem. But at the end of the day, are they really going to shoot the lights out in game two and beyond? Probably not. Bogdanovich was shooting the ball well. Even John Collins had three triples from beyond the arc. Clint Capella inside I thought was probably an issue. And he was decent, but they don't have a backup center. And again, this all re- returns to Doc Rivers. And this has to be put on his shoulders for the most part. Because when you go into the playoffs, you need to have a shorter rotation. I don't need to be seeing... I don't need to be seeing Furkan Korkmaz play 11 minutes. I just don't need to see his ass out there on the court. I really don't. <laughs> Matisse yeah. Thibel needs to score more or needs to get more minutes. He had 19 minutes. He should be up over the 20-minute mark. Dwight Howard, I'm sorry. I know that he's been good this season for us in a backup role. I'll be honest with you guys. He's useless in this series. He is unplayable yeah. in this series. 
The Hawks too many Wendy's a, Frosties. Yeah, the Hawks <laughs> don't have a backup center, right? The Hawks have Clint Capella. They bring Lou Williams off the bench, Kevin Herter off the bench, and Danilo Gallinari off the bench. Those are the three guys they bring. None, none of those guys, or neither of those guys, are centers. So Dwight Howard is useless in a backup role. He shouldn't see the floor in game two. At least I hope he doesn't. Now, if you want to say, oh, you need somebody to back up Joel Embiid, we'll just play to the Hawks uh, or play the way the Hawks play. Don't don't give yourself Dwight Howard inside and let them have five guys out there on the perimeter because all five guys when they have out there, you know you have Lou Williams, a shooter. Kevin Herter is a shooter. Gallinari is a shooter. They got shooters spaced out. You can't play Dwight Howard. He can't guard anybody. So he needs to sit on the bench, and he needs to shrink the bench as well. I think you should only see about eight guys, nine at the most, come off the bench. Doc Rivers is really managing this team right now like he did in round one. You know, he's playing 10, 11 guys. You know, Shake Milton should not be seeing the floor either. I know he only got one minute, but he should just be yeah. watching the whole time. I not even. Yeah. yeah. Now, you bring up some interesting points, Max, about the fact, you know, the strategy going into game two. And I, I I love your strategy. I do. Shorten up the bench, honestly. Dwight Howard, because they don't have a backup. But see, that's the thing, though. Because they don't have a backup center, Dwight Howard really should be dominating. And he, and he really didn't. He really did not dominate in game one against the Hawks. Now, if you do want to shorten up Dwight Howard, now my solution would be to put Ben Simmons at the five when all of the rest of the starters are on the bench and have him out there. Then use him as a center. And have him dominate everybody. Because if Clint Capella or if John Collins isn't in the paint, the paint's wide open. Now Ben Simmons can eat. Speaking of Ben Simmons, 3 of 10 from the free throw line. Shout out, Tanner. 3 of 10 from the free throw line. I'm sick (laughs) of this, all right? I am. Come on. We lost by four points. And yes, yes, it was not close. However, four more of those free throws, we have a tie game. Hell, five more, and you're talking about a victory instead of a loss. All I'm saying is free throws matter in the damn playoffs. Ben Simmons is continuing to be a liability on this squad. Now, yes, 17 points, 10 assists. However, five turnovers, that's bad. I think the team total for turnovers that game was, yeah, they had 19 turnovers for the entire game. When this team turns the ball over as much as they do, they will lose. We've seen that. Forget just this year. We've seen that the past couple of seasons under Brett Brown. When this team gets like over 10 turnovers, it's almost an automatic loss. They get just, they were just really sloppy with the basketball in game one. I don't understand. I You would think with a new head coach going in, knowing that the knowing, going in with these problems, knowing that the team has a turnover issue that you would kind of, Try to fix it, and for the for, for the most part, they have done a pretty decent job in fixing it. However, you can't have games like this in the playoffs. You cannot have games where you're turning the ball over 19 times. If you think you're going to walk out with a victory turning the ball over 19 times, you got another thing coming. This team is definitely going to have to shape up his defense. Well, Tay, I, I'm going to be honest. I was going to be on your side until you told me to shut up. Now i got to go against you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I still – I mean, we still have to be on the same page. This was an awful loss. Uh, you go into the numbers-wise, the Sixers, not only was it Ben Simmons missing from the free throw, but they missed a total of 11 free throws. They only lose by four. And just in the first quarter, guys, nine turnovers for the Sixers. Nine turnovers. That's ridiculous. 19 in total. I mean, this is a game where it's, it's going to be hard to be duplicated because the Hawks hit a franchise 20 from three. 
and they shot, I believe, 47 threes. I mean, it, it, it was it, it was insane, the amount of threes going up. And th- the reason it's going to be hard to be duplicated is for that exact reason is how, how often are they going to be able to do that? Um, and now with the Sixers coming into game two, improving on defense, hopefully. Um, I, I do still think Dwight Howard needs to be in the game. I think it's a, it's a little early to be given up on him yet, but I agree with shortening off the bench. Um, you, you have guys like Shake Milton coming out, and then when Shake Milton comes out now, because we're so used to his time being you know not a factor in games anymore, you got to expect the Sixers are just giving up now because Shake Milton's out there. Tyrese Maxey didn't have a good game. And that's what factored into it. But I don't want to see guys like, of course, Mike Scott come out there during the playoffs because that means something had went terribly wrong or, you know, maybe terribly good. And the Sixers are up by like 30 points late in the game. But for this, I I am on the same page with you guys about shortening up the bench. But I do think it's too early to give up on Dwight Howard. Now, Tanner, you are correct in your stats. They went 20 of 47 from three. 47. That's 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 43 percent that that is here's here's the stat that gets me 20 of 21 from the free throw line compared to the compared to the sixers 24 of 35 the sixers have more opportunities at the free throw line and they just couldn't finish well see i mean you blame that on ben simmons and again i'm always a big picture guy i'm it's all about winning the championship for me when you get into the playoffs, it's all fun games in the regular season. You know, Tobias Harris can give you a big game in the regular season. Simmons can give you 42 points against the Jazz on the road in the regular season. But when it gets into the playoffs, you better turn your game up, right? Or, or this is Philadelphia. You know, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't accept, you know, mediocrity here. I mean, we want to win a championship. You need Ben Simmons to take a step forward. And I've always been a defender of Ben Simmons. He gives gives you a lot defensively, okay. passing. He is a good basketball player, but you have to be able to shoot the basketball before all else. And the fact that he's not doing it makes me think that if the Sixers can at least get to the Eastern Conference Finals, and maybe if they can't get to the finals, it might be time to to, to you know make some changes as far as the players on this team. And I know I'm, yeah. I know people might want to say it's overreacting to Game One, but that this, this this Hawks team is no joke, and this thing could definitely go six seven games. I wouldn't be surprised. That's my thing, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but apparently there's rumors, strong rumors going around that should the Sixers not, you know, not win the finals, not go, not go at least to the Eastern Conference Finals and win, and win, there's a possibility that um the Sixers could be looking to trade for a, a potential superstar. Yep, and you you hit the nail right on the head, Tanner. Damian Lillard. As a matter of fact, <laughs> there's odds already out there for it. The Sixers' odds are four to one, which is top, which is number one. That's crazy. They're already predicting that this team yeah. isn't even going to make the finals, and the fact that Ben Simmons is going to be off this team. So, and listen, I'm not a Ben Simmons hater. I'm not. What I am is I'm a realist. Okay, I love Ben Simmons' game. I love yeah. his potential. Shut up, Tanner. <laughs> I, I love his potential. I love. It. Like, I, I, I see what he can do. I see the potential that he has. I see how far he can take his game. However, he can only take his game so far if his game is limited, such as a jump shot. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, T, you are a, a Simmons hater. Let's I am put not that a Simmons hater. Uh, but but anyway, 
this is a point where I thought Max was going to go to, but the way that the Sixers played against this Hawks team in the, in the first game, the way that they had their way over the Sixers defense, a defense that we have, as fans have been high on um, going, especially into a team like the Nets. It's okay. We have a better defense, but now the, the way this team played um, against the Hawks with, you know, the franchise record amount of threes made 47, three shot. You go now, if the Sixers do advance against the Hawks, you have the Brooklyn Nets who are just ruining the Milwaukee Bucks, absolutely destroying them and having their way. Yeah. And you got to be worried as a Sixers fan going up against the, a team like the Brooklyn Nets. Now you have James Harden who was banged up. They still won both those games. They it's are, just crazy. 76ers are, are they're a regular season team right now. They're they a regular are. season team. And I think yep. at first, when we when we saw them make the playoffs, it's like awesome. You know, they got in, they made the playoffs. Oh, they won a round in the playoffs. You know, they got to the second round. Cool. Now it's gotten to the point where three of the last four years we've gotten to the semis in the in the conference. And it's time to not accept, okay, we got here. It's time to win. And I think that's where my issue lies, where the Sixers can have a great regular season all they want. But when we get into the playoffs, Simmons, his inability to shoot the basketball always comes out. Joel Embiid, his injury history, of course, he's injured again. I know it hasn't shown yet with one game against the Hawks. But we can come out in game two, and you can very well see a different Joel Embiid, depending on if he lands. All, all it takes is one hard landing, and Joel Embiid's done. God he's done for the series. And I hate I to mean, admit it, it's the reality. God forbid. He could be done for much longer than the season, Max. And I don't know if this is just me being paranoid, but you have a guy who, in any other career, not sports-wise, but with a torn meniscus, you're you're on rest for, for quite some time and still need that surgery. Joel Embiid is playing a full basketball game in the NBA on a torn meniscus, putting up 30-plus points and just jumping on that knee. And he did. There was a point in the game where he was kind of coddling that, that knee, and he, he was hopping on. I, it's his left knee with the torn meniscus, I believe. And he was using his right for pressure. Um, but if I'm wrong on that, it was vice versa anyway. Yeah, yeah. But now I'm worried because Joel Embiid, with his injury history, now, and with this tournament, he's going to need surgery. He might never play the same way that he once did. This might have been the last season where we see Joel Embiid playing an MVP-type caliber. And this, you know, I, I, he's running out of time uh, for, for the Sixers, especially to get there to the, to the finals, because now he is hurt and might never be at 100%. Which is why that, I that ruins think, the trade. That, that ruins the trade piece. Yeah. Which is why and I, I don't mean but, to bring the uh, the rain cloud, but that's just that's just where I am. But that's the reason why I think you know because you only have a limited amount of time with Joel Embiid, you need to do whatever is necessary to get you a championship while you have a guy a guy's caliber like Joel Embiid on your team. You don't have a whole lot of time. Big men do not last this long in the, in the NBA, especially big men right. with bad knees. So look. If you think by getting the team better, should you get eliminated? If you think by getting better that you need to trade away Ben Simmons and acquire an all-star talent, then by all means, please do it. Do it. Do not hesitate. Do it. Do what you need to do to bring this team a championship. And sometimes that means doing things that might hurt. When the Sixers lose a game, of course, we react a little bit more aggressively than we normally do. But I don't think this team can win win a championship. I really don't. And – 
you know, Danny Green's going to be gone after this year, probably. And of course, I think we got to give a quick shout out to Seth Curry. I was hard on him during the regular season and I needed more out of him. And he's given me more, you know, a 30 point game the other night. Um, and of course, he's been dropping around 20 to 30 points mm-hmm. per game late in the season. And of course, he's turned it up in these playoffs. So you got to give him a lot of credit. That's what I like to see. I like guys turn up their game in the playoffs. But at the end of the day, I don't think this team is going to win a championship. And it's a shame because, you know, when we started this podcast, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons were still the two top guys in the city uh, with this team. And now we've gotten to the point, you know, two, three years later, we're still talking about it. They still haven't brought a parade to Philly yet either. And I feel like Ben Simmons not being able to shoot the basketball is going to come into play for the Sixers. Joel Embiid's injury history is going to come into play for the Sixers. And I think this thing is going to get blown up, whether it be this year or next year. And it's again, it's to, to some degree, it's not their fault because they kind of ran into that Warriors dynasty out west, even though they couldn't even get to the finals. But that's besides the point. And now they've run into the Brooklyn dynasty here with with the three all stars, even though James Harden's hurt. But still, they're struggling against the Atlanta Hawks. And I know it's you know far fetched at this moment. But I really do think this thing either next this year or next year's, if we don't get too far in the playoffs, is going to get blown up. And to me, I just don't know who you get rid of because at, at one on one end of the end of the stick, I have Joel Embiid, who every time I I need him, I need my all star player to, to come through for me. He's never there. One year it's the stomach bug. He misses two games against the Raptors. We lose that series. Last year, Ben Simmons is out. We get swept um, by by Boston in the bubble. And now this year, of course, it's another knee injury. I mean, he can do whatever he wants in the regular season. I don't care about the regular season, and we've seen that. You know, people go in to the playoffs that can be a five, six seed, whatever it may be. Uh, and again, I know, you know, of course, home court advantage and all that stuff means something. And we're the one seed this year, and it's still uh, iffy. Because even if we get past the Hawks, the Bucks, and or the Nets await us, and I feel like when you're talking about what to do with, in the future with this team, Ben Simmons or, or Joel Embiid, which one do you keep? I don't know. Part of me, I hate to say it, but part of me just says, Embiid, I know your knee's messed up, but but just get out. I, I, I'm running him 40 minutes a night because I need to win games here. And I know his lifespan is short. I, I know these are human beings, and I don't want to be a guy who's like, you know, don't be, don't be an asshole. Like, don't don't just go – like, you got to protect your players. To some degree, you do. But I've been protecting Joel Embiid for the past four years. I, I can't do it anymore. I need him out on the court playing 40 minutes. He says and that he's going to take a step forward. He is in the MVP race in the top three. If you're a top three player in the MVP race, you better be out there when your team needs you in the playoffs. And I can't coddle him like a baby anymore. I need him, no matter what his injury is, I need him out there fighting through it. And with Ben Simmons, I mean, it, it's possible both of these guys could be gone. I mean, I guess I guess if if, you, if I had my opinion aside, if I had to put my in Daryl Morey's shoes, he'll probably end up keeping Joel Embiid because he is the you know higher talent and Ben Simmons flat out can't shoot. But I wouldn't be surprised if both of these guys are gone because at this point, it's it's almost like Ben Simmons won't shoot basketball. And we need him to. We need him to shoot. I know I know. there's better, There's a thousand more options on the court than ben, than ben Simmons. You know, higher percentage shot, of course, than Ben Simmons shooting a three. But again, T brings up a great point. The free throws. He's got to knock down his free throws at a higher clip, and he can't even do that. That's what scares me. And, and yeah. you know, you, you mentioned something about – you know, who who would you trade away? I would lean more towards trading away Ben Simmons because at the end of the day, yes, Joel Embiid gets hurt. Yes, Joel Embiid is a risk factor. But at the end of the day, I can see progress with Joel Embiid. When Joel Embiid went out last year with that stomach flu, mm-hmm. all right, not last year, it was a couple seasons ago. Listen, he came back. Look, two years later, he came back and he, he said he was going to get better. He was going to change up his diet. Yep. He was going to do all these things. And he did that. 
He changed the way he played the game. He changed the also way. the double team. Yeah, he's he's become a lot better at passing out of the double teams. You know, he, I, I agree I with see you. I definitely development with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is a risk factor because of his injury history, but I can see that Joel Embiid is growing. The thing of it is, Ben Simmons came in with his game, and he has not developed a damn thing. Turnovers are still high. He still is reluctant to shoot the ball in the field in the on the on the court. Free throws are still an issue to this very day. I see no development. Ben Simmons has settled into his game, and he has relaxed. He has allowed mm-hmm. people to gratify him and congratulate his game on where it is so far, but I see no development. That's why I would trade about Ben Simmons, because I see no development. I don't see him working on his game. Yeah, yeah Tanner sends me all the time, you know, him shooting, him shooting in the gym, but that's not... I don't see it in the game when it where it counts. I need him hitting those I gotta, shots. Before I Tanner, before you go here, I want to say one thing. This is, for those listening out there, this isn't because the Sixers lost one game to the Hawks. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about big picture. We're talking about winning an NBA championship. We're talking about how do we get past the Brooklyn Nets? How do we beat those three Hall of Famers? The team that we have right now, I don't think is capable of doing that. That's why we're having this discussion right now. Not just because we lost one game to the Hawks. We're not trying to overreact here. We're just talking to you guys about what we've seen with this team the past four years. And what we've seen is something not good enough to win a championship. Because right now, the Brooklyn Nets are just completely emasculating the Milwaukee Bucks. It, it is, it's, that's not going to be a series. They are determined to go to the finals. And I don't think there's a team on the East that can stop them. Yeah, that's fair, T. And the reason, uh, look, it, it's been almost a year since I, maybe, maybe like eight months since I sent you a video of Ben Simmons shooting the ball. And that's because it hasn't been happening. In the gym, I haven't seen any videos now. It could be because media is not allowed in there um, at specific times because of COVID protocols and everything. But I, there's no reason for me to believe that Simmons is improving at all because he's digressing on the court. You're seeing it at the free throw line. We were talking about how much better he was. We talked about this in the last episode, how much better he was at the line but in the regu- midway through the regular season. And now he steps up there and just teams are fouling him on purpose because they know he'll hit the line and miss it. Now they won't guard up on him when he's on the top of the arc because they know he won't shoot it. I mean, and that and that brings a double team to another player on the Sixers because they don't have to worry about Ben Simmons. That's embarrassing for him, especially. And for us as Sixers fans to be rooting for a team that just has four guys on the court. Technically, that can shoot the that can shoot the three, maybe even just three, and that's that's what's really killing the Sixers team. The amount of uh, things that they can do on the court has dwindled because of Ben Simmons. Here's a scary thing too. Also, and I, I, again, I've mentioned a few scary things, but here's something else: the Sixers tried trapping Trey Young forty feet from the basket. They tried it. He passed out of it. Yeah. They got John Collins shooting threes. They got Bogdanovich shooting threes. If that's going to happen, there's nothing the Sixers can do if they keep shooting those and and. I would say, okay, they got lucky. They got hot from three. They were making a ton of shots. But the thing of it is, those were wide open threes, and the Sixers could not defend it. And I hate being the team. Why do we always have to be the team that's the the gritty defensive team? Why can't we be the team that can go out there and score 140 points? Like that's that's what bothers me the most. We've been playing off of this thing the last couple of years. We're the defensive team. We're going to shut people down on defense. But let me tell you something. The way things are going, and this could be even related to the NFL. I don't want to have a good defensive team. You know, you have a good defense in the NFL, so what? You got Pat Mahomes going to throw eight touchdowns and Tyreek Hill's going to run by it. 
It doesn't matter what you do. They're going to score points regardless. I want the team that can score a ton of points. I don't care about the defensive part so much. I mean, look at people are like Trey Young, man. He can't he can't defend a feather. Just throw him on Danny Green. Danny Green scored what four points? He didn't hit a single three. Yeah. Trey Young doesn't need to play defense. He just needs to stand there, rest on defense, let his other four teammates play solid D, and then come down and shoot a thirty-five footer and bury a three right in our face. I want the guy that can score forty. I'm sorry, I don't want the I don't want the Ben Simmons who can get the triple doubles and shoot thirty percent from the free throw line. I want the guy that can score 40 in his sleep. I hope the Sixers at one point transition. And I hope in our lifetime the Sixers can win a championship. And again, this isn't because they lost one game. This is because they're not going to beat the Brooklyn Nets. I'm sorry to tell you guys. They're not going to do it. If they get past, even if they get past the Hawks, they're not, they're not going to be able to keep up with it. I mean, the 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 Nets without Harden are scoring 135 points. I mean, you can't stop that. I don't care how good defensively you are. I don't care if you had the best five defensive players in the game. You're not going to stop Kevin Durant. You're not going to stop Kyrie Irving. Joe Harris is one of the best three-point shooters in the league, percentage-wise. There's nothing you can do. I hope the Sixers transition to a more high-powered offense. And again, if they aren't, if they're not able to get to the finals this year, I do want to see change. I don't care how drastic it has to be. I think we have the right people in place. I think Doc Rivers is still a good head coach. I think Daryl Morey is a good GM. But again, at the end of the day, I don't think this team is assembled to win an NBA championship. Well, the only thing, the only thing I'm. I have against you what you said is, well, defense in the NBA and the NFL are two entirely different things. As a matter of fact, it was defense that won this past Super Bowl because they switched up how to play against Patrick Mahomes. We're not talking about that right now. That's a different subject. But I do. See, don't even get me started with that. You know Pat Mahomes' O-line was destroyed. <laughs> Wait, that's a different subject. We, I'm not even going to touch on that because that's a whole other subject that can take up the entire rest of the show. So... I agree with you. I do want a high-powered offense. I want some high-powered players on this damn team besides Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid needs help, all right? We have to rely on Tobias Harris, who I at least expect 12-plus points out of him, but even then, that's pushing it. Seth Curry is up and down. Danny Green is up and down. This team really needs another score. It's really 4v5 out there on offense. I'm sorry. Let me ask you guys this question. Let me ask you this question. Why is it every time I'm watching a six-year player shoot like Danny Green and he makes a shot, I'm like, Oh, thank God that thing. <laughs> Whereas where I watch these other teams shoot, it's like once the ball's released, I'm like, damn it, that's going in, of course. And, of course, they bury the shot. Like, these guys are professional players. These are the best shooters in the you. world. The ball's supposed to go in the net when they shoot it. Why do I have to feel like a sigh of relief every time the ball goes through the net? You know why? Because I'm so used to them missing every damn shot they take. Green. Oh, what did he do? 30 minutes. 30 minutes from Danny Green? I'm sorry. I need some more off the bench. I need Thibault. It's funny to me, too. More minutes. Danny Green cannot be out there 30 minutes a game. Four points, 0 of 4 from downtown. It's one game. I understand it. But do you expect anything to change? I mean, you both of you guys know how we all feel about Danny Green during a regular season, the inconsistency. Mm-hmm. He's out there to do one thing, make a three. How many times late in that fourth quarter did we get, get a turnover when the Hawks were trying to inbound the ball? And why the hell did the ball keep ending up in Danny Green's hands? Anybody else could have taken the shot. Yeah. Of it's course, an it was outrage. Danny Green, and he missed every three that was taken. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Korkmaz had more points than Danny Green. Yeah, and he only played that eleven minutes. Now that says yep. something. And Korkmaz, Whatever. oh gosh, Korkmaz. Let's get after it. Let's get after a game two. Let's get after a game two. I can't I anymore agree. with this team. Let's <laughs> let's transition here. Let's touch on the NFL. Try to clear the air here, of course, and. I know Julio Jones signed with the Titans. That's kind of the big news because we talked about how Julio Jones possibly could look pretty good in the Eagle uniform. It cost the Titans a second-round pick and a fourth-round pick. I think the bigger issue for the Eagles was the salary situation, of course. I know there's there's been some rumors going around. We're still trying to get rid of Zach Ertz. 
who's on, under contract as well at this point. And Fletcher Cox has come out uh, lately in, in recent reports. And at this point, see, I don't know about you, but I feel like people are just throwing things out there with the Eagles. It's one of those times where it's a lull. Nothing's really happening in the NFL. Oh, let's think of a story. Oh, you know what, Fletcher, what's happening with you lately? Oh, this is what's <laughs> happening with me. Let me put this out in the media. And then you got Elliot Shore Parks out there throwing things out, tweeting things. I feel like, you know, at, at some point, this isn't that big of a story, but I feel like because it's, you know, kind of in a lull right now with the birds, you might as well just throw it out there. So so for you, T, when you heard this report about Fletcher Cox, and I think it's it's related to Howie Roseman coming to Fletcher Cox about, you know, how to, not, I'm not saying how to handle a team, but maybe to get his opinion on certain, you know, I guess transactions and what goes on within the organization. Well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to put some background into, you know, what you're, what you're suggesting that we talk about. So Jeff McClain, Philadelphia Inquirer beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. He comes out with this article and it basically to make a long story short, the article is basically saying that Fletcher Cox has power. All right. Fletcher Cox has determined the fates of uh, many coaches, defensive line coaches in the past. Um, also in terms of his contract and you know how he's not going to, he's not going to accept the Jason Kelsey treatment, which Jason Kelsey is basically has basically taken a pay cut, you know, in, in lieu of, you know, bringing in better, more players, you know, to help the team out. Fletcher Cox has gone on is basically saying in this article, according to Jeff McClain, that he's not going to do that. Um, and basically, you know, Fletcher Cox almost basically has a Jason Peters effect where he can influence, you know, who comes in and who doesn't and things of that nature. So, look, yeah, it is around that time where, you know, things do come out and, you know, it's 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 a low point because we're we're trying to find something that's relevant until until training camp begins. So, yes, but I I'm not shocked at all by this article it, it doesn't shock me because it's happened before in the past all right the jason peters i just mentioned him he had power in the organization all right he determined who played next to him he determined if you feel like playing the game or not things of that nature carson wentz had power within the organization all right so this this article really doesn't surprise me all that much and I'm not going to say if it's tr- I'm not saying it's not true, nor am I saying it is true. I'm just saying there's a record of some of these things that's being talked about in this article that I can kind of I can kind of see. I can kind of see that being a reality. Now, here's the thing. Fletcher Cox is 30 years old, which is a horrible age in the NFL. It is an absolute horrible age. Fletcher Cox has not played like the Fletcher Cox of past where we expect him to be dominant in the middle he hasn't as a matter of fact past episodes we've complained about Fletcher Cox and his inability to create havoc in the middle of that defensive line now is that going to change with a new with a new scheme with a new with a new defensive line coach new defensive coordinator new possibly he could possibly get his mojo back I hope so because this team is definitely going to need it now, do I think Fletcher Cox has earned his contract? As a lately, no. I will not say he has earned the money that he is getting now. So, look, it, his contract is up in a couple of years. So you're going to have to come to that conclusion whether or not you're going to want to continue to pay Fletcher Cox as much as you're playing him, paying him. So Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> like, me personally, I, I, y'all already know how I feel about older players. 
I'm going to pay you based off of your performance. And if I feel as though you're not able to perform, then guess what? I'm going to get rid of you. I'm, I, I can't look at you as a I'm not. It's a business at the end of the day. All right. It's, it's just business. I need to win Super Bowls for my team. And if you're not going to help me contribute to that, then that's what I, I got to get somebody else who is going to do your job better. That's all I'm going to say on that subject. Well, here's the here's the bigger picture, in my opinion, real quick. I don't, I don't have much to say on this because mm. I want to throw the tenor, but I want to say that Fletcher Cox, it's really not his fault, I feel like. He's getting double-teamed out the ass every single game. Yeah, you know no what doubt. I mean? What the problem is, is we don't have any goddamn pass rushers to get to the quarterback one-on-one. That's, That's the, the key. Issue. That's the you key. you got Eric Barnett, who can't beat his man one-on-one. BG's been doing his thing the last couple of years. If you're going to get double teamed in this in the middle of every single, and I, it's not every single game, but it, it's a lot of the times, and in recent years specifically too, it's not really Fletcher Cox's fault. It's the it's the rushers that need to get to the quarterback, and they're unable to do so. And because of that, the quarterback has all the time in the pocket, and a, because of our defensive secondary isn't all that good. In fact, it kind of sucks to be honest with you. Then we give up a ton of points, so it's all a trickle down effect, and that's kind of why our defense. Um, has one been pretty unsuccessful, but also on top of that, our our play makers, I guess, like our Darius Slays of the world and people that are supposed to get the interceptions and sacks, you know, they specifically last year didn't really step up at a high level. Not to mention the scheme that they were in at the at the time. Sorry, Ted. Not to mention the scheme that they were in at the time. It's basically four v five every single play. Jim Schwartz didn't hardly blitz, and when you penetrate, when you're trying to penetrate the same gap, you know, it's kind of going to get predictable. So. Yeah, keeping on the same topic as defense for this Eagles team, guys, I really hope the Eagles have a plan for for uh, cornerback two. Because Jaquette at CB2, he's been getting not first team reps. Win a he's lot of first games. Team reps. Why is this happening? Is this, isn't this the guy that was out there selling tires before the Eagles wow. needed him in there? Wow. And it's stupid. Tell me, tell me, please tell me they have a plan. And that they're just using him for an extra body out there on the no, field. They don't have a plan. They don't have a plan. Uh, to tell you, have you seen the reports that come out when in, in these practices early on? We Michael Jaquette's been a cornerback too out there across from slide. I have noticed them. It has raised my eyebrow. I am genuinely concerned because the the games I remember watching and the film I remember watching, looking at Michael Jaquette. Uh, I'm not that I'm not that hype about it. I'm truly not. It is literally going to be one of those. Oh my god, it's man! Gonna be, it's see, gonna be one I need of those some more positive news, Eddie, because I said this oh. team's going ten and seven, and now the more we talk about this negative energy, it's kind of bringing me down. The only bit, way so I, I can sort of the only way I can be positive about this season, they have to sign a cornerback too. And listen, this is after June first now, so they have a little bit of money that they can spend. All right, Steven Nelson is still out there. I need them to sign an actual second cornerback. Do not neglect that position because if you don't, that puts more pressure on Darius Slay. All right. Now, unless you're gonna unless you're gonna play an entire game of a two deep shell, which is um, which is basically a Tampa two, keeping two safeties deep and protecting the over the top. Look. This team is going to be scored on on defense. All right, you cannot neglect that second cornerback position. Year after year, we have filled that position with slot corners. Avante Maddox, for one, who definitely should not be playing cornerback too. Yeah, yeah. Don't let this distract you that he is also still on this team. So true, and this is also true as well. How how many times last year on the show, these episodes have you said coaching? Coaching, coaching, coaching. It's coaching. It's co- we would come in here. We'd be like, Jaquette, what the hell is he doing out there? He sucks. He has no form or technique whatsoever. And you were like, that's coaching. No one's teaching any of the fundamentals. 
this year, because of the reason I picked them, or part of the reason, maybe one of the bigger reasons I picked them to go 10-7, was I feel like I'm pretty confident in this coaching staff. It's a new, it's a new scheme, new guys, new voices coming in here. I, I'm just, I'm not going to say I'm confident, but I'm optimistic, I guess is the word to use, because I feel like last year with Schwartz, specifically on defense, the voice he was using and his techniques just weren't working. And I think this year, because everything's changed, now, again, it could go either way, like we've mentioned on the past couple of shows, uh, for the bad or for the good. I'm holding out hope it's going to happen for the good because I need to see development in these players. You can't just wipe out all 11 guys on the defense and fit in new 11 guys. You know, you have to, at some point, one, two, three of these guys need to take a step forward, and it starts with coaching. It starts with technique. Even if they don't have the best ball skills and ball hawks to be able to get interceptions, just got to be in the right place at the right time. You know, you have to be able to read the quarterback, read the defensive scheme, or read the offense, and, and be in the right spot to make a, make a play. Even if you don't get the interception, just try to be there for the tackle. Because how many damn times did we see a mixed tackle last year? A 10-yard gain, a 5-yard gain turned into a 30- to 35-yard gain. That just can't happen. Max, I a thousand percent agree with you. Like, I'm not necessarily looking for ball hawks, but I'm looking for guys that can just keep up with the damn receiver. Just keep up with him down the field. Yeah. All right. <laughs> be in a position that if the if it's a 50-50 ball, be in a position where you can either A, knock the ball away, or B, get your hands up for an interception. Too many times have guys just been one out of position, two trailing the right receiver, or three not even turning around and looking for the ball. Once again, I Max, you alluded to it, and I said it technique now hopefully the technique changes this year i truly hope it does because the technique for the past three four years was pissing me off and y'all know that i'm on record i'm on record of saying all of these things so i'm trying to stay positive i am i'm trying to stay positive about this season we got it we got new coaching staff we're gonna be bringing in bringing in some new things and i'm i'm trying but the more i think about it the more these reports are coming out michael jacket's taking cornerback two reps i'm like look uh, it's going to be michael michael jacket is already the nomination for burntosa of the year and the year hasn't even started yet <laughs> yeah i mean we're looking for a positive note here and i the only one i can think of right now is that the eagles will not have to face the secondary will not have to face julio jones in that first game of the season yeah uh, yeah that that'll help them a little bit. But, I mean, you still have Kyle Pitts out I there. I was about to say. Uh, Matt Ryan, still an impressive quarterback at the age he is right now. But you got to be – I'm trying to turn this into a to an, a better angle so we can be excited for this season. So you have Nick Sirianni, who's looking to prove himself to the Eagles fan base. Um, you know, his his pressers didn't really help. But the, what, the things that he's doing on the field is what really matters. Uh, training, how he's pr- – prepping his guys for the season opener and max i know you're optimistic about him it's yet to be seen for me and now of course as an eagles fan base we know how we are and this guy starts losing games he's out of here already in our mind so i'm really i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna be optimistic about it too but i'm i'll wait to see really what he does with that team on the field until i'm really sold on him agreed yeah, can't say it better myself. I think when we see the product on the field, we can obviously react at a higher level to what we see, of course, and, and the play. But as of right now, again, the only thing we can do is just try to be optimistic, try to bank on the new coaching staff, being able to scheme up good defenses uh, and good defensive rotations. And then, and, and, you know, I guess what scheme, what 
form, what cover to be in at the right time. That's all we can hope for. So I want to I want right. to end this show real fast with with a Scott Kingery funeral, if if I'm allowed. Um, <laughs> you know, Scott Kingery a couple years back in 2017, 2018 signed a six year, 24 million dollar contract with the Phillies before he even played a single game in the major leagues. And at the time, Matt Klintak really believed in Scott Kingery. Thought he was going to be possibly the everyday second baseman of the future. Mm. And since that day, everything's gone downhill. Came up, played pretty well his first year in 2018. Since then, has not been the same guy. And uh, this week, it, it all kind of came to, the, to an end for Scott Kingry. He was uh, officially reinstated from the concussion uh, IL and outright it to AAA. He cleared waivers. So we know it's really hard. Him up. And uh, for good reason. I think he's batting 113. He got one hit since he came up this year. Uh, he's been absolutely atrocious. Both, uh, both at the plate, really, for the most part. Of course, defensively, hasn't really made anything that made me say wow to myself. So, in memory of Sky Kingry in a short time uh, in a Philly uniform, um, I hate to say it, but what a waste of money and time he was at the plate. Because let me tell you something right now. When we talk about the Phillies, where, where they are this time, and of course, D.D. Gregorius is still banged up. You know, you're finally getting Bryce off the, uh, off the injured list. Sky Kingery was kind of supposed to be a part of this new wave of Phillies. He, he was supposed to be part of that Reese Hoskins crew and be there at second base. And, of course, now we have Gene Segura. People, not me, people in the in the media and, uh, and around Philadelphia actually said at one point uh, last year, you know, maybe maybe try to trade Gene Segura. Maybe see if you can get a starting pitcher. You have Scott King. We're going to come up and take over the everyday second base role. Try to get somebody to pair with the top three guys. Thank God we didn't do that now because Scott King is now going to be at AAA. He's going to be at the uh, at Lehigh Valley. He's off the forty man roster, completely off the forty man roster. So he, it's not like we somebody gets hurt. Scott Kingery is not an option to bring up because he's not on the forty man. So somebody's going to have to take his spot. And uh, you know, R.I.P. Scott Kingery. You know, dead in a in a Philly organization. Let's call it that. Let's call it dead in a Philly organization. Dead in the Philly organization. I like that. Look, I, it's a shame, but I I think you bringing that up, bringing up Scott Kingery. And, you know, his his unfortunate decline, I think, also, you know, contributes to the fact that, look, this Phillies, this Phillies organization as a whole, they have not done a very good job of developing prospects. They haven't. And the prospects that, you know, get ranked high or get looked at as high, in high regards um, around the MLB, they trade away in trade in trade um, as trade prospects. So. There's no there's no player development, which for me, I don't care what league it is. Player development is always, always my top priority. How are you developing that young talent? Look, look at Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, Carlos Lurie's. I can go through the entire list of that past <laughs> of that past regime. What's the thing about those guys were they came up through the ranks. All right, the Phillies developed those players. Those players weren't traded for. Those players were drafted, and those players were developed within the organization. There's no development. And the, the ones that have developed throughout the doggone organization, they can't play a lick of damn defense. Alec Boom can't play a lick of damn defense. Scott Kingery can't hit. Um, um, who else am I thinking of? Roman Quinn can't stay on the damn field and can't stay healthy, nor could he uh, swing the bat. Nor really play the field. This is a. Go on, T. Keep it coming. Keep it coming. 
like, raffling them all. Like, like Aaron, Aaron Nola is up and down. Who's he's, is, he, is he an ace? Is he not an ace? That's an issue. I'm just saying. Where is the damn – Reese Hoskins up and down. Every single time I think about another damn play, I get frustrated. Let me stop. Look, I'll keep going to you. I'll keep going. Chase Anderson, does he belong in the bullpen? Does he belong in Montana? We don't really know. We really don't. Does he belong in Montana? Look, all I'm saying is the development of <laughs> within this Phillies organization is a huge, huge issue. It's one thing to go out and spend money on free agents, which is what they've done, and they've crippled themselves with the Bryce Harbor contract, so now they can't really go out and sign a whole bunch of people anymore. So – the emphasis on developing that talent is even more so. Well, you don't have any talent to develop. Talent keeps coming up and down. Nope. You're not, they're not. And when they, when they do come into the big leagues, they still have holes in their game. So um, until they change how they develop their talent from the lower rankings on up, we're going to continue having these, having these issues. We're going to continue having players that might, you know, they'll have flashes in the pan, and then all of a sudden, the MLB game will catch up to them, and then they ain't worth a damn. We're going to continue seeing that until yeah. there's change. The only thing I have to say about this Phillies team, because I'm just – I'm over this team right now. I, I'm not I'm not completely – I didn't shut the door completely on them, but it's just the repetition of the problems that this team has. But for me, I'm going to say something, is the Phillies were not ready for a player like Bryce Harper. They were not prepared. Mm-mm. They were not prepared to have the talent that they have now. And it shows with the farm system too, not being able to build around the players that they have and just throwing together a roster every season that just does not work. It's embarrassing as a fan base. It should be embarrassing as an organization to have players of this talent not succeed. And for for the city to be so hungry for a championship, it's not a good situation that this team has put themselves in. No, it hasn't. And I think one thing that's actually helped them, because of course they're coming off two out of three wins against the Washington Nationals, uh, is the off days. We, you know, we had a we had a rain out last week in Cincinnati. After that Thursday was a scheduled off day. I think that helped us. Of course, Bryce Harper comes back and the lineup stretches out even further. We were able to put together 12 runs on Sunday against the the Nats. So we're, we're finally scoring some double-digit runs. Hopefully we can get DD back soon and we'll see if the offense can kind of overcome our pitching and, and bullpen struggles. But I will say, you know, Brogdon has been decent. Naris has been decent this year, uh, surprisingly. Yeah, we also have Alvarado, who has his up and down moments as well. Of course, Sam Kroonrod has been pretty yeah. decent. So our bullpen, at least there's a couple names that we can count on. But I will say this as we close out the show before, or Tanner, go ahead, before, before we close it out. Nah, you know what? I, I say throw some of those ground crew members in the uh, on the Phillies team <laughs> because they were able to pick up that net behind the plate in under 20 minutes in that heat. Those guys are the ones that deserve to play, not go. some I of like the guys it. that are on the Phillies yeah. roster. That's you know, bit, I actually, I, I, t- I need to clear another <laughs> roster spot because you know how we sent we sent Chase Anderson and, and uh, who who do we send Chase Anderson and David Hell out to Montana last week? We <laughs> forgot somebody though. We had to drive Ooh, back and pick him up in Philly, and and he has to now take the eighteen hour bus ride out there. And his name is Brandon Kinsler. Uh, <laughs> Brandon Kinsler, I forgot you. I'm sorry that we forgot you. It's a lot of gas money to put in the bus, but we had to come back. We had to get you, and we had to bring you out to Montana. So there's three fills out there in Montana. Now, if you want to perform better? It's funny to, to me, too. Better, I'll be happy to drive out there and get you and bring you back. But right now, we got three guys on an island out there in Montana. It's Chase Anderson, David Hale, and Brandon Kinsler. And we'll I see you. if they're able to produce at a higher level. We'll see. Well, I'll give it another week. We'll see. They're always allowed back. 
but they got to perform. But well, and also real quick, I, I will say this: it also doesn't help that you know you. <laughs> When your leaders also don't step up as well, and they're not doing what they're supposed to do, like Gene Segura, I, I feel as though he's still not, like he he still half asses sometimes. He's out not there. a leader. He's not at all. He's not at all. And like I alluded to before, a couple of weeks ago, when um, I was producing for John Johnson on WIP, look, he literally counted to ten Mississippi while Gene Segura had <laughs> had missed the ball, and he's sitting on his ass. Like it, it's absolutely ridiculous. There's a reason why Gene Segura. Is what he's now on his what third or fourth team now in the MLB in his career? That's it yeah. at his age. That's an issue. I'm just saying there is also a lack of leadership. The only leadership I see is really JT Real Muto. That's really the only guy I see like telling these young guys to step up. And you can see it in some of his facial expressions. Like, come on, man, did you just really do that? Did you really come on? You come yeah. on, guys. You gotta do better. This see, I will say this before I quote before we get out of here. Oduble Herrera in that leadoff spot. I told you guys. I told you Oduble Herrera in the leadoff spot. He's he looking did. decent. He's been solid out there in the center field. McCutcheon now moves down to the five or six hole in the order. And all of a sudden, he's not hitting you know one ninety anymore. He's up around you know two fifteen, two twenty. Hopefully, the average keeps climbing. He looks a lot more comfortable later uh, in the lineup. And you never know. Now we got Bryce back. We got JT back. Who knows? Maybe we can go on a meet. But this stretch of games coming up is huge. Of course, we got three against the Braves coming up this week. It's big. We need to be able to secure two out of three against this squad again and try to just battle because, no, again, no one's really running away with this division. But with that, T, let's shut it down. All right, guys. You guys missed any of this episode? You can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com. You can download on all available downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the entire Shabazz and the Sixers better step up. Otherwise, there's going to be some angry fans. And that's not, that's not going to be safe for anyone involved. Ben Simmons got to hit some free throws. Seriously. Oh, by the way, little known fact. This is going to be the first final since about 2010 that's not going to feature LeBron James or Steph Curry. Just figure I'd throw that tidbit out there. I'm embarrassed. I want winners. Because that guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Shut the F up for life. What the f*** is that?